Hi, this is Jim Crotty, uh, and this is the Crotty Farm Report podcast. I'm continuing my look at the great film Mulholland Drive, and uh, I feel that there's so many good sequences in this film, but probably the part can reflect the whole much better if you choose one. So um, there's many to choose from, but obviously um, can't do them all. So I'm going to talk about the cowboy uh, sequence when the cowboy played by Lafayette Montgomery, who's actually not an actor. Typically, he's a producer. He's a co-producer on many Lynch films. Uh, meets uh, the director, the kind of bratty, cowboyish, in a bad way, director, Adam Kesher, uh, uh, up, up, up on the up, up Beechwood Canyon, funny enough, the top of Beechwood Canyon. There's so much to say, and I, I, I don't write things down beforehand, so as in the nature of Mulholland Drive, the film, I'm just going to kind of do a stream of conscious dump <laughs> and hopefully very quickly. <clears throat> uh, first of all, that he had to go up to the top of Beechwood uh, Canyon Drive is very important because uh, that's where the, um, the office for Hollywood Land Realty is. And that, as you may or may not know, Hollywood was a real estate development. And so it's not like a, a place that's been there a long time. It was created as such. And so it's kind of interesting that he goes up to the top where the beginning of the real estate development that was known as Hollywood, and then Hollywood got connected to the film industry. So that's an interesting trope. Um, Adam arrives, the, the light overhead at the at the corral is blinking, um, which probably suggests some kind of supernatural occurrence is about to appear. And then he meets the cowboy. There are many interpretations of what the cowboy represents. The way I first took him is a force. That it, he's kind of like the old moral code uh, of this part of the world, of Southern California, of Los Angeles, before the movie industry arrived and made Westerns based on that moral code, kind of removed from the moral code, um, kind of in a simulacrum, a kind of meta-level uh, interpretation of the moral code. But there really are and really were cowboys in uh, Southern California. Uh, it was, a lot of it was ranch land and then it became oil a natural gas land. And so in one sense, the cowboy represents the old moral order. There's a similarity to this in a film called Casino by Martin Scorsese, uh, where the Jewish uh, ma uh, head of the uh, casino um, disrespects in the minds of the uh, old order in Vegas, uh, a young a young man, he uh, fires him because he didn't watch the slots carefully enough and and um, allowed them to get uh, gamed or bur uh, by, by uh, you know, um, bad actors in the casino, and he fires him. And his uncle, I think it's his uncle, the cowboy hat, funny enough, uh, comes into, into the um, casino director's office and says, you know, we were here long before you were, and we're going to be here long after, and you, um, you just don't understand. Uh, and so 
that move, firing that young kid, actually starts a spiral of decline uh, for uh, the De Niro character in Casino. Um, and this is a similar uh, a, this is a similar type scene where this cocky prima donna director um, is not liking that the powers that be in Hollywood, the money people uh, and others uh, are telling him he has to choose one girl over another. He wants to be able to choose the lead. And the cowboy in this scene tells him, you could keep anybody else you want. Anybody else you audition, you can put in the film. You just can't pick the lead. And the sequence is so important because it, the character of, of, of Adam, uh, no, no uh, accident, that <clears throat> it's a reference to the biblical Adam. And you could say the cowboy is the old, the godly order uh, telling him how things are. And he has a choice for whether good or evil. And uh, if he chooses good, he'll only see the cowboy one more time. If he chooses bad, uh, there'll be two more times. And early in the sequence, um, Adam is, is, is really cocky. And he just wants to get right to it. And the cowboy goes, well, you're a man who wants to get right to it. And, um, and then, you know, well, let's play that for a second so you get the sense of that. I hope this works. I want to thank you for coming all the way up here to see me from that nice hotel downtown. No problem. It's on your mind. Well, now, here's a man who wants to get right down to it. Kind of anxious to get to it, are you? Whatever. Man's attitude. Man's attitude goes some ways the way his life will be. Is that something you might agree with? Sure. Now, did you answer because that's what you thought I wanted to hear? Or did you think about what I said and answer because you truly believe that to be right? I agree with what you said. Truly. What'd I say? So, <laughs> it's this... It's this. It's a perfect description of a type of cocky, arrogant, spoiled, bratty, entitled schmuck that you see in L.A. But you know, it's not a one-dimensional character. The Adam character is fascinating. It has multiple levels of of morality within himself. And you know, as the sequence here goes on, um, you see that. Uh, he starts to come to an awakening when he realizes the cowboy has has a, has has something he wants him to do, and he starts to understand that the cowboy might be the person who is in control of his existence. It's very interesting, and uh, so let's play a little of that. That a man's attitude determines to a large extent how his life will be. So since you agree. You must be a person who does not care about the good life. How's that? Well, stop for a little second and think about it. Can you do that for me? <laughs> okay, I'm thinking. 
No, you're not thinking. You're too busy being a smart aleck to be thinking. And I want you to think and stop being a smart aleck. Can you try that for me? Look, where's this going? What do you want me to do? There's sometimes a buggy. How many drivers does a buggy have? One. So let's just say I'm driving this buggy. And if you fix your attitude, you can ride along with me. Okay. I want you to go back to work tomorrow. You were recasting the lead actress anyway. Audition many girls for the part. When you see the girl that was shown to you earlier today, you will say, this is the girl. The rest of the cast can stay. That's up to you. But that lead girl is not up to you. And you will see me one more time if you do good. You'll see me two more times if you do bad. Good night. So <clears throat> his attitude changes completely. He takes it very seriously and he's paying attention as if he is the original Adam listening to God. Um, <clears throat> so this is a, um, there's a term, I forget it, in, in, uh, in, in Jungian work about the kind of character the cowboy is. I used to remember before <laughs> senility set in, but he is a, um, a person who is warning him to get back on the righteous path. Um, and he does what he is told, and he does say the words, this is the girl, and the girl that is actually picked is not the actual girl, who, of course, the real girl is picked, is, uh, is Camilla, which is uh, Diane Selwyn's lover. So the other way to look at this scene is this is in her dream, this is in Diane Selwyn's uh, reworking of what happened to her when she came from small town uh, Canada to the big bad L.A. And <clears throat> in her reworking of it, she's taken a kind of icon of the Canadian prairie as, as, as well as the Southern California desert, which is the cowboy. And it, it's possible that she saw the cowboy at, at the real life uh, dinner party when Adam announces he's going to get married to Camilla. Um, and from that scene, we see her spiral down to her death. We also see the cowboy appear in her room and he tells her to wake up, pretty girl. Um, and it's it may be the last thing that she hears as she dies. It's hard to say, but um, he's somebody who's obviously been in her apartment before in real life. So you can interpret that in a lot of ways. I mean, maybe she was a, a hooker and he was a client. Uh, maybe that's her um, reimagining of a father figure or grandfather figure um, of her early life. Uh, maybe she was molested. It's hard to say, but... The, 
the key thing is how um, these older moral forces, older powerful moral forces operate in depictions of the West, both in Casino and in Mulholland Drive. They are behind the scenes. They were the original white settlers, but they have now become abstracted. Uh, in the case of uh, Las Vegas, it's it's casinos that are the entertainment and are the dominant industry. And in L.A., though that's not literally true, there's other industries in L.A. that are very, very strong, aer- aerospace and shipping. But in the perception of the public, it's it's about Hollywood and it's about the entertainment business. So this moral code, though now very much removed, we don't make these kind of westerns with these kind of Tom Mix characters anymore. Um, they are still there, and uh, the question is, um, if 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 that moral universe is still present in L.A., uh, what is the good life? What is the bad life? What is the good choice? What is the bad choice? And the fact is, we see the we do see as a viewer, and perhaps the dreamer too sees the cowboy two more times. Um, We see him coming into her apartment saying, you know, wake up pretty girl. And then we see him in the background of, of the party. He doesn't say anything, but he moves across the screen in the background. And so the dreamer sees him and we see him. And I think in the minds of the dreamer, Diane, she's done bad. She's made some choice where she's done bad. Um, that's just a little nugget. It's a scene worth watching many times. Um, it's also something that rings true. If you live, like I said, in my first podcast about Mulholland Drive, um, it's a film that really conveys what it is like to be in LA, to live and work in LA. And the na- the nature of LA, is, you know, is everywhere. It surrounds the city and Griffith Park is a huge park and Mulholland Drive is in it um, and and outside of it and in, in other parts of the Santa Monica range. But so this sort of um, interpenetration of the of um, of nature into the urban environment is particularly is unique to L.A. and uh, maybe Portland, too, and Seattle, but in a more, a more dramatic way in some ways in L.A. And um, <clears throat> as a result, those kind of pastoral and rural values are also there amidst all the corruption. Um, you know, I, I experienced every emotion and situation that appears in Mulholland Drive practically in my time in LA. And um, the kind of detached from reality uh, version uh, of, uh, of Betty um, uh, the, you know, the, the innocent arriving. There's so many people, especially in Santa Monica on the west side, but there's so many people that live this kind of delusional, all is happy, all is new agey, positive, yoga chick kind of mantra of life. And um, they're hiding just enormous darkness beneath the surface. And that that is a fact of existence in L.A. And it appears in your life. Because the sunshine is there, and so it always feels like it's a sunny place and a happy place. And then out of nowhere, there's a, a crazy person behind the Winkies, um, perhaps 
involved in creating evil in the world. By the way, that character in the film was played by a woman, is a woman. So um, this is a film a lot about identity and how identities form and reform, how the masculine feeds into the feminine, um, how one person divides into two, into three, into four. Um, and so we see that in the cowboy, the cowboy scene. We, we, this is the dreamer dreaming a side of herself as a person who has the cowboy working for her, creating a reality. Um, and and, it, and it's, it's her version of a, of a recreated Adam in some way, of a recreated paradise. This is the Karate Farm Report.